Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Theo, who found his tribe through the internet. Enjoy. Theo, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. We thought it would be best if perhaps you introduced yourself. So tell us, who are you? Yeah, so let me try to think about the relevant bits. Um, so I'll give a quick zoomed out overview of what my life has been about so far. Um, yeah, I'm a 27-year-old dude from India. Um, up until 2019, I used to work in the finance industry. I got disillusioned with that world and quit that job to explore and experiment. And I did some freelance marketing, copywriting work over the years on the side, but I spent most of the last few years just nerding out on a lot of therapeutic modalities, healing, uh, meditation, psychedelics, and spent a lot of time in this part of Twitter that we both are a part of. And so that has been the more main focus of my life for the last few years. And along the way, I stumbled onto some very powerful modalities that really helped me resolve many of my emotional hangups and understand myself at a much deeper level. And IFS being one of them, and then there were more. Along the way, I was going around talking about these modalities with everyone. And so a friend approached me to guide a session for her, and I did that, and that went really well. I started doing more of it, and then randomly I started offering sessions in this part of Twitter. I just signed, sent out a tweet randomly one day saying, hey, if anyone would like to try FS with me, feel free to reach out. A few people reached out, and those people tweeted about their experiences, so more people reached out. Long story short, I ended up doing more than 200 of these sessions over the last eight, nine months. And, and now that is the primary focus of my life. I have transitioned to doing it full time. Um, uh, the label that I found resonant with what I like to do is self-exploration coach. But yeah, labels aside, I just love helping people connect with themselves and with the world at large. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Theo. Yeah, and just for people listening, IFS stands for Internal Family Systems. It's come up quite a couple of times uh, in the podcast and other conversations as well. So we'll go deeper into that for sure. But first, I would love to know about your relationship with yourself. So when you hear relating to self, what does that mean to you specifically? Yeah, I think that's a lovely question and one that 
we could talk about for hours what immediately comes to mind is how you approach your internal experience in general how you approach what comes up in your consciousness and for me over the course of last few years the journey has been about learning to approach my inner experience with curiosity that's the primary yeah theme for me and curiosity and wonder because there's just so much richness in all of our internal experience and yeah i believe there's just so much beauty as well even in the bits that we might find uncomfortable or the bits that cause us suffering and yeah just approaching it from place of wonder and trying to connect with whatever is here for you and that what immediately comes up when i think about the phrase relating to self mm-hmm. thank you i really like this idea of curiosity and wonder as applied to an inner process as well um i'm i'm curious how you got there though because it's one thing to to practice curiosity and wonder but to me it feels as if the world in general isn't really focused on that very much right growing up for me i never really encountered people who had this curiosity and wonder for their inner process i saw people who were curious about the world who were curious about things like you know science or even meditation whatever it is but how did you discover this this inner curiosity and wonder yeah i think it started with definitely an impulse to fix myself um like anyone i had a lot of emotional hang ups things that i wanted to be different things that i did not want to experience did not want to feel and i do have a general diy curious attitude when it comes to uh solving things and so that's how it started i wanted like my mind was like okay like if we figure out how we operate if we like figure out all the causal mechanisms and all the levers and everything we will be just able to go in and fix ourselves and like just solve our problems and be happy and so i started nerding out on uh different ways of exploring yourself and along the way as like through that process as you heal as you let go of a lot of burdens lot of compulsive orientations to life and which then creates space for curiosity uh, in general when there's when fear starts dissolving curiosity emerges on its own and now i could then slowly transition towards attending to my inner experience relating to myself from a place of curiosity and i wouldn't say that i have completely transitioned the impulse to fix myself uh, a large part of my motivation to yeah like explore myself is still comes from the place of like wanting to solve my problems and 
be more happy in general and have more joy peace connectedness in my life could you tell us a bit more about let's say the context that exists where you grew up around this right because i believe you grew up in india and i see that as a very different kind of world where the mental frameworks around mental health and self-exploration are very different from where i grew up in in belgium right so for example for me feeling that I wanted to fix myself or that there were things in me that I wanted to change. One of the paths that was offered to me was to go to therapy, which is something that maybe wasn't as easy um, when growing up. It was seen as something that, you know, only disturbed people would need or something like that. But it was there, it existed. Um, how was that in India? How was the, the normal way, let's say, of addressing these kind of personal problems and how did you relate to that normal way of doing things? Yeah, totally get where you're coming from. And I would say it's not very much different here in India in the sense that therapy for a long time was seen as something for only people who are broken or people who are mentally ill. And that's starting to change over the last few years not just in India, but globally. But anyway, uh, growing up, uh, in my general conversations outside in the world, this wasn't really a part. Uh, no one really talked about mental health or yeah, any other self-exploration stuff as such. Two things made a big difference for me. One was the internet. I grew up on the internet, basically. And... Yeah, there's when you're nerding out on things on the internet, nerds usually converge on a lot of things. Uh, not always, but usually. And we also see that in this part of Twitter, where a lot of nerds converge on uh, all these ways of seeing and approaching life and approaching self exploration in general. So I think that played a big part. Uh, my curiosity took me in a lot of different directions. Uh, having early access to internet meant I got acquainted with internet at a very young age. And I spent a lot of time using the text medium, building friendships across the world. And so looking back, that definitely played a big, big, big role in me getting access to these ideas and ways of looking. And then second, uh, I think my parents, specifically my father's spiritual orientation played a big role. Um, yeah, at some point early in my life, uh, my father joined a spiritual organization called The Art of Living. And indirectly, that might have been the best thing that happened to me. Because um, yeah, he got very serious about healing without like specifically thinking about healing as a framework, but uh, just spirituality in general and service community and learning ways to relate that are more compassionate, more open, and more kind, most importantly. And that, of course, trickled down and how I was brought up and things were not perfect. Uh, there were 
a lot of imperfections in how I was parented, but yeah, that those seeds were planted then. And uh, as a teenager, I definitely had resistance to the idea of meditation and other adjacent things, but eventually I came around to it. And so these two things then converged very well. I think started converging really well in 2019. And from there, uh, I again found my way to this community. And yeah, and then there, like the child within me just was full of joy and wonder that he gets to play with all these tools and discover and make friends and yeah, heal along the way. Mm, that's so beautiful to hear, Theo. Like, I'm really touched by the idea that the internet gave you access to all of these tools, basically. Yeah. I think I remember uh, growing up, I'm, I'm 20 years older than you are. So the internet came a lot later in my life. And I remember this feeling of excitement that I experienced with the early internet. And what you said is exactly what I was hoping for. You know, this idea that information would be accessible to people. Because that was one of the things that I think held me back a lot in my own process of healing. Simply, I had no access to anything. I grew up in a small town. We had a small town library. And the amount of books they had there was not very large, let alone interesting. So um, the way that you describe getting access to all these different modalities and all these different kind of thoughts, and then also finding IFS and stuff, that's just incredible. And it just makes me so happy that that exists. So thank you for naming that. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm really touched by what you said about your father's spiritual orientation, right? I think a lot of my rejection of spiritual movements when I was younger have to do with the fact that I framed them as authoritarian religious kind of things. But you, you named that your father, by joining this organization, kind of became attuned to service and community and compassion and openness and kindness. And that that kind of led to healing, even though healing wasn't really what it was framed about, right? It's yeah. like, and that's, that's so beautiful. So I'm really curious if you also, in your life, because of your journey into healing, have created or maybe entered in some kind of communities? Or how do you see your healing in relationship to the world around you and the people around you? Yeah. I definitely believe in the idea that relational wounds can only be healed in relational containers. And so community and relationships and family and friends play a big, big role in healing and not just healing, but I also feel that we are all mirrors for each other and the way to better understand who you are, the way to explore who you are is often through relationships. And in my life, as I progressed along the healing journey or whatever label we use for that, one thing that happens for a lot of people is that it's kind of a lonely path in a way and 
as you become more of an individual as you get a better sense of who you are and what you want and what you do not want it's it can sometimes be alienating and luckily for me this was not as much a case because one i found my tribe through the internet i was anyway exploring these things and uh, sharing my journey in the public along the way i met so many beautiful people from all across the world and felt this deep connection and this deep camaraderie and also so many people eager to help and so much warmth and kindness and so i was able to absorb a lot of that and then to the best of my abilities try to bring it to the other people in my life and so a lot of my friends also endeavored on this journey either on their own or with my help or not just my ideas rubbing off on them and i also had a part like i mentioned uh, where i went around excitedly talking about all these things and my excitement was reciprocated by the people around me and so yeah a large part of my life does revolve around growing with other people and i find myself very lucky in that domain things could have been very different and i might not have been surrounded by people who were as interested in these things as i am and in general it also becomes very exciting when you get other people who are as enthusiastic about healing or self exploration or wanting to connect and relate at a much deeper level people who are ambitious about building deep deep relationships uh, when people around you match that energy it becomes very enjoyable and like a game that you love playing what would you say is still very difficult for you in your relationship with yourself so what's alive for me uh and the biggest challenge for me that i'm really excited about is learning to express myself in a more embodied way in general being more in my body uh for a long long time in my life and still today to a great extent i lived in the realm of ideas and concepts i navigated the world through these ideas through these lenses they gave me a sense of certainty and so i relied on them to help me figure things out as a side effect this disconnected me from reality from my body where my experience was mediated by these lenses by these concepts and ideas and over the last few months i have now been able to see through this and initiated the process of letting go of these crutches and learn to navigate the world my relationships uh, who i want to be what i want to express in a more embodied way yeah that's a struggle for me but a struggle that i am thoroughly enjoying right now mm. and how are you approaching that struggle because i think this is something that a lot of people can uh recognize that the the embodiment in general i think in our cultures is 
kind of sidestepped almost. We, we live so much in, in the yeah. idea realm, right? And especially now, as you mentioned also, the beauty of the internet is that we can access this incredible group of humans all over the world that we can resonate with and grow with. But that is completely disembodied, right? Yeah. There's, there's yeah, literally no true. bodies involved there. So I'm really curious as to how are you approaching this more embodied way of being right now, practically? How I see it, I think, for me, it comes down to cultivating an ecology of practices that can help me restore the connection with my body. And so it could look like uh, on one end, you have self-exploration tools like IFS and core transformation focusing and other somatic modalities or combining the modalities I mentioned with somatic approaches and trying to first understand why things are the way they are in your mind. If there are parts of you who like to navigate the world through ideas and concepts, they have good reasons to do so. And it has also definitely helped me in many, many ways. And without those parts, I wouldn't have been able to get here in the first place. And so I'm definitely very grateful for those parts. And so yeah, working with those parts, trying to understand what painful feelings they don't want me to feel, uh, what happened developmentally that led me to approach life in this way. And then, yeah, trying to undo to the best of my abilities, trying to let go. And also along the way, feel through the uncomfortable feelings that come up in the surface. Uh, for me, as I let go of navigating the world through concepts, what comes up is a sense of uncertainty, a sense of groundlessness, not knowing how things will unfold. And becoming comfortable with that slowly is a big part of my approach, then, then there are things like in your day-to-day -day life, learning to spend more time connecting with who you are uh, in the sense of who you are in terms of what's here now in a very concrete way and trying to relate to the world and other people from that place. What this can look like is being more aware of how emotions show up for you in your body and learning to notice their textures, their subtleties, being able to communicate with your closest ones in an embodied way. Because at its root, disembodiment comes from not feeling safe, right? And if there are relationships in your life where you feel safe, those relationships are fertile grounds for restoring your connection with your body. So, yeah, leaning into those relationships is definitely a big part of my approach. Then I'm trying to want to dance more. And I do have that uh, impulse within me to dance more, but it seems like I don't dance as much as I want to. And so starting to again, slowly unpack that and lean into enjoying myself more, not just with dancing, but even if you're listening to music, trying to listen it with your body, in general, being more mindful. And 
yeah, doing all this very imperfectly, failing at it, uh, feeling like the progress is slow or whatever. But yeah, still just restoring the connection mm. one day at a time. Yeah, I, I love that, especially what you said about dancing. That's something I've been meaning to do more of pretty much for the past like three, four years. And I have already done a lot more than I used to. But one of the things I also practice now, and this morning, actually, I was doing this and it was so beautiful to get back to it because I, sometimes I forget, you know. This morning, I was just walking around in my room, basically, you know, just switching the heating on, going to make myself a cup of tea, simple mundane actions. But while doing so, I was really focusing on the way my feet are touching the floor and just bringing awareness to that mechanism of touch yeah. and also support, you know, my feet supporting my body just brought me such joy. And it's, it's such a simple thing. It's like the presence of mind being with the body kind of makes everything so much easier somehow. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that this is also important for you. This has changed everything for me and it's an ongoing journey, right? This idea of, of embodiment. And I'm even so far, and I'm curious how you think about this. I am now in a part of my journey where I feel, I wouldn't say I don't assign any value to thoughts or concepts, but I am wary of them. I am suspicious of them. Let's say I'm like, I see, I see, yeah. I see them. I'm like, yeah, I see your thoughts. I see you mind making up stories, but I try to very, very intentionally be with what is. And that's something actually what you also said, like being with what is here now. And the what is here now is always more related to the body and to the environment than to any kind of Definitely. thoughts that I can have. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm curious, is there a, a way that you frame this for yourself as in how do you work with thoughts that arise, right? How do you make yourself aware that thoughts are nothing but stories of the mind? Um, do you have a process there? I don't think I have a process, but more like different ways of seeing that sometimes help me see through uh, the fabrication of those thoughts and let go of them and try, try to think of some of them and see what comes up. I think one easy sign to see when those thoughts are useful or if you're just getting caught up in them as some signs of tension or contraction in your face or in your body that indicates some grindiness, some trying to fabricate things or some trying to figure things out and noticing that and relaxing that. And again, a process that happens imperfectly and you get better over time. And then I feel one thing that's helping me a lot is the notion of emptiness from Buddhism. And I still have a very imperfect and probably flawed grasp on that idea. But there have been instances in my meditation journey where I've been able to 
uh, see through how we like fabricate things in our mind how we use imagination how we use thought to make things up and then how one thought clings on to other thought and they tumble along and creating things over and over and over uh so yeah learning to see that definitely makes a big difference because then uh it's not about seeing this thought or that thought but zoomed out seeing through the illusory nature of thought and identity in general and then i still love thinking so uh and i see there's nothing inherently wrong with thinking as such and it can be a great tool it can create a lot of goodness and value in the world so not seeing it as a thing that needs to be pushed away because then you just again get caught up in another cycle of aversion and trying to like trying hard or grinding against something so yeah that's what comes to my mind right away yeah i love that and i agree i think the mind is a wonderful tool right and i love thinking it's very practical in a way uh, the the difference to me it feels something like if i intentionally decide to use my mind to think about something then it is useful to me but if the mind just kind of takes over and starts creating all kinds of stories and thoughts around feelings that i'm having or situations that i'm in then usually that doesn't lead to much. It's usually fear-based, yeah. right? So it's this difference between the mind either being used by me or doing its own thing. And that's where I think there's a lot of value in, in separating. Yeah, that. yeah. Beautiful. Theo, I'm, I'm curious about your IFS because that's something you, you mentioned at the beginning of, of the call. And I have not engaged with IFS very deeply. So I know about it. Um, I haven't read any books. I've never done IFS therapy myself. I've done one session just kind of like as a, as an introduction, but I'm really curious. Well, first maybe how you encountered it and then, um, what it means to you now as, as a practice, because if I've understood correctly, you're kind of leading IFS sessions for people, right? So I would love to hear more about how you use that and how you see the power of yeah. it. Yeah. So I stumbled onto IFS through Twitter. I saw people talking about it. And then someone had linked this podcast episode where the founder of IFS, Richard Schwartz, appeared on the Tim Ferriss show. And I think that's the best introduction to IFS out there. It's a beautiful episode where they not only talk about IFS, but then Richard Schwartz guides Tim Ferriss through a session. And it was very powerful seeing or rather hearing Tim Ferriss move through his emotions and interact with his parts and have a big resolution and how you could hear the difference in his voice. And in general, it was 
also a very emotional podcast and i was instantly moved by it and knew that oh there's something very powerful happening here and the parts framework in general makes intuitive sense uh not just to me but i think everyone in general we use it in our day to day language very commonly where we say like oh a part of me wants to do this but another part wants me to do that and so we get that and so now here was a model that brings a lot of coherence and clarity to that way of looking at ourselves and yeah then i had a guided session with mad goldenberg from our part of twitter and that was my first real experience with ifs and i was blown away it felt surreal i was uh so it's one thing to think about ourselves through this conceptual lens and try to make sense of our inner experience through these concepts but it's altogether different thing to actually have that experience where you're talking to your parts and your parts are talking back to you revealing things that like suddenly start making so much sense and you have these like emotional resolutions and in general getting to witness the richness of your inner life how there's so much more to who you are than this singular cohesive identity that you might have assumed for yourself and from there on i started using ifs more extensively in my self explorations ifs is also very synergistic with altered states of consciousness and that also played a big role in my journey and over the next year and a half i discovered ifs in 2021 more the next year and a half next two years uh it was and continues to be the main thing in my self exploration arsenal the only thing that has changed is it's become more and more fluid with time initially it was more algorithmic classic ifs uh but parts work is also synergistic with many other modalities many other ways of seeing and so you can layer in and interweave a lot of different things and that's what's been happening for me and then like i mentioned along the way i started guiding sessions for other people and it came very naturally to me i did not expect to be doing this say 2 years ago even though i felt called to do something like this i was always concerned that oh i might have to maybe get a psych degree or get some kind of formal training or certification and uh that kind of kept me away from venturing into this area but yeah i feel lucky i was able to do this and i had the trust and encouragement of a lot of people around me and from there i think it was just about learning more and more i met so many people from wide variety of contexts over the last year or so and that helped me deepen my practice a lot and like i mentioned even while guiding others it started with doing this plain algorithmic ifs step by step stuff and now it's slowly transitioning into yeah this more dynamic stuff where i am trying to be more here with the other person's experience and 
see what feels right in the moment and nudge them in that direction or invite them in that direction and see how that goes and yeah it's an ever evolving thing there is no ceiling to the skill and even in self exploration there's no end goal as such there's always new things to be found new ways of relating to yourself and discovering new parts of you and yeah so that's been my journey mm. i'm i'm really curious about two things there one is how do you use the ifs framework on yourself so not with someone else guiding you but just within yourself and then the second thing is the synergy that you describe with other states of consciousness or other modalities i'm curious if you could say more about that and if that's perhaps related to psychedelics for example yeah. but so maybe first about how you use ifs as a framework with yourself let's say yeah so ifs or in general seeing yourself as a dynamic amalgam of many parts that way of seeing instantly brings a lot of clarity to inner life uh, the whole idea of no bad parts and the idea that all parts of you have positive intents for you they are either trying to protect you from some emotional pain or trying to get some needs met for you when you see your inner life with that lens it instantly brings a lot of acceptance and then too when you adopt that framework into your conversations into your language when you're relating with other people when you're having conversations it makes a world of difference just like realizing that there are no bad parts within you you can also have the realization that there are no bad parts in the other person there is no malevolence in their ways of being and from that perspective if you try to approach conversations it makes things much more easier i think it's along the lines of non-violent communication i'm not directly familiar with that framework but ifs makes non-violent communication both with yourself and in your relationships much more easier it gives you affordances to do that and then apart from seeing it as a lens apart from looking at yourself in that way and looking at others in that way i think the main thing about ifs is its power in helping you have big emotional resolutions and helping you move towards wholeness and i believe that the real power of ifs can only be tasted when you actually have an immersive experience when someone is guiding you through uh and helping you navigate different parts and meet the abandoned parts of you and integrate them back into your awareness and it's a very surreal experience it feels very dreamlike uh, you get to meet parts of you that had been pushed out of your consciousness and that brings up a lot of 
yeah, suppressed emotions, feelings to the surface in a way that's very embodied. And then, yeah, there's just so much interesting stuff that happens. And I feel a lot of people who talk about IFS and use it quite extensively, uh, I feel a lack of excitement that a lot of other people share who have actually had those experiences. And so th that's how I kind of got started. Like it was some tweet along those lines and then a follow-up tweet saying, hey, if you haven't had this kind of experience with IFS, come have a session with me and see how that goes. So for me, having those guided experiences makes a big, big, big difference. And I have done it with other coaches. I often do it with my friends or my partner right now. And yeah, I feel anytime there's a stagnation or a block or something that's troubling me, it's my go-to thing to help me resolve things. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, it's good to hear that, you know, also you then have other people facilitate that experience for you. I think that's, that's beautiful. I was kind of hoping that you would tell me like, yes, there is this very simple and easy self-practice of IFS, you know, that you could do on your own. But I guess that's <laughs> not the case. What about this, this other question, this idea of the, you know, the synergy with the other states of consciousness? Um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to more more about that. So specifically, MDMA is very, very synergistic with IFS. I read somewhere that 70% people, um, that number might be inaccurate, but it's a large percentage of people in the MAPS protocol. Uh, so MAPS is running uh, clinical trials for MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. So a large part of people in those trials spontaneously start doing something along the lines of IFS in their sessions without even knowing about IFS. And in IFS terms, what MDMA seems to do is radically increase the self-energy. And just to elaborate a bit more on that, IFS has this notion of self with the capital S it hypothesizes that all of us has a part that's calm, compassionate, curious, courageous, connected. And when you relate to other parts from this place of openness and compassion, the parts start trusting you. They start letting go and uh, allowing you to integrate exiled parts into your awareness. So anyway, uh, what MDMA seems to do is radically increase emotional safety and uh, self-compassion, which then allows you to do YFS in a way that's very superfluous. Uh, the usual resistances that come up if you were to do YFS in a sober state, uh, you have to navigate through layers of protective parts and uh, help them feel at ease, persuade them to let go. MDMA makes that all very easy, allowing you to go really deep and also in a very spontaneous way. Of course, everyone's experience varies a lot and these substances comes with their own set of risks. But 
yeah, there's a lot of synergy here. And then I think in general, being able to relate to your inner experience when you're having these altered state experiences, when you have this lens of looking at your inner experience uh, as parts, it gives you new affordances, new ways of being, new degrees of freedom to have experiences that are more enriching. And, and a simple example of this would be if you are having some difficult emotions or if you're having things come to surface or if you're having parts come to surface in your experience that are uh, that seem, I don't know, self-critical or attacking you or something along those lines, like it's a wild territory when you're having those experiences. This way of looking and relating with the parts of you, like having uh, these questions or these check-in mechanisms that the modality has, if you can use them in those moments, it can help you navigate the experience much more smoothly. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I just want to remind the audience that, you know, none of this is medical advice. Uh, you are always responsible for your own experience. And when using any kind of substances, you should make sure that you know what you're doing. Absolutely. Theo, thank you so much. This was a beautiful and very rich conversation. Um, we are sadly nearing the end of the allotted time. So I'm going to ask you if there are any places where people can connect with you. I assume Twitter is one. Do you have any other places where you maybe write or share information? Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. This was a lovely conversation and I enjoyed talking and expressing myself and being surprised at what was coming out of my mouth. And yeah, uh, so Twitter is the main place where I hang out on the internet. I also have a website uh, that goes untanglingself.com. And beautiful name. I recently started a podcast with the same title, and I have only uploaded one episode on YouTube, but I'm hoping to do more of that. And I think, yeah, that's it for now. And um, you can reach out to me on Twitter DMs or email me at uh, now th3o at gmail.com. Yeah. I will make sure that we have all the links and the email address in the description of the show so that people can easily thank find you. Thank you so much. Theo, thank you so much. This was lovely. Uh, have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. Ciao. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.